Section three of the girl with the golden eyes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. The girl with the golden eyes by Honore de Balzac. Translated by Ellen Marriage. Section three. The young man who called himself a friend of Henri de Marsay was a rattlehead who had come from the provinces, and whom the young men then in fashion were teaching the art of running through an inheritance. But he had one last leg to stand on in his province, in the shape of a secure establishment he was simply an heir who had passed without any transition from the pittance of a hundred francs a month to the entire paternal fortune and who if he had not wit enough to perceive that he was laughed at was sufficiently cautious to stop short at two-thirds of his capital he had learned at paris for a consideration of some thousands of francs, the exact value of harness, the art of not being too respectful to his gloves, learned to make skilful meditations upon the right wages to give people, and to seek out what bargain was the best to close with them. He set store on his capacity to speak in good terms of his horses, of his Pyrenean hound, to tell by her dress, her walk, her shoes, to what class a woman belonged, to study écarté, remember a few fashionable catchwords, and win by his sojourn in Parisian society the necessary authority to import later into his province a taste for tea and silver of an English fashion, and to obtain the right of despising everything around him for the rest of his days. De Marsay had admitted him to his society in order to make use of him in the world, just as a bold speculator employs a confidential clerk. The friendship, real or feigned, of de Marsay was a social position for Paul de Manerville, who on his side thought himself astute in exploiting after his fashion his intimate friend. He lived in the reflecting lustre of his friend, walked constantly under his umbrella, wore his boots, gilded himself with his rays. When he posed in Henri's company, or walked at his side, he had the air of saying, "'Don't insult us, we are real dogs!' He often permitted himself to remark fatuously, if i were to ask henri for such and such a thing he is a good enough friend of mine to do it but he was careful never to ask anything of him he feared him 
and his fear although imperceptible reacted upon the others and was of use to de marsay de marsay is a man of a thousand said paul ah you will see he will be what he likes i should not be surprised to find him one of these days minister of foreign affairs nothing can withstand him he made of de marsay what corporal trim made of his cap a perpetual instance ask de marsay and you will see or again the other day we were hunting de marsay and i he would not believe me but i jumped a hedge without moving on my horse or again we were with some women de marsay and i and upon my word of honour i was etc thus paul de manerville could not be classed among the great illustrious and powerful family of fools who succeed he would one day be a deputy for the time he was not even a young man his friend de marsay defined him thus you ask me what is paul paul why paul de manerville i am surprised my dear fellow he said to de marsay to see you here on a sunday i was going to ask you the same question is it an intrigue an intrigue bah i can mention it to you without compromising my passion besides a woman who comes to the tuileries on sundays is of no account aristocratically speaking <laughs> hold your tongue then or i shall tell you nothing your laugh is too loud you will make people think that we have lunched too well last thursday here on the terrasse des feuillants i was walking along thinking of nothing at all but when i got to the gate of the rue de castiglione by which i intended to leave i came face to face with a woman or rather a young girl who if she did not throw herself at my head stopped short less i think from human respect than from one of those movements of profound surprise which affect the limbs creep down the length of the spine and cease only in the sole of the feet to nail you to the ground i have often produced effects of this nature a sort of animal magnetism which becomes enormously powerful when the relations are reciprocally precise but my dear fellow this was not stupefaction nor was she a common girl morally speaking her face seemed to say what is it you my ideal the creation of my thoughts of my morning and evening dreams what are you there why this morning why not yesterday 
take me i am thine etc good i said to myself another one then i scrutinize her ah oh, my dear fellow speaking physically my incognita is the most adorable feminine person whom i ever met she belongs to that feminine variety which the romans call fulwa flawa the woman of fire and in chief what struck me the most what i am still taken with are her two yellow eyes like a tiger's a golden yellow that gleams living gold gold which thinks gold which loves and is determined to take refuge in your pocket my dear fellow we are full of her cried paul she comes here sometimes the girl with the golden eyes that is the name we have given her she is a young creature not more than twenty-two and i have seen her here in the time of the bourbon but with a woman who was worth a hundred thousand of her silence paul it is impossible for any woman to surpass this girl she is like the cat who rubs herself against your legs a white girl with ash-coloured hair delicate in appearance but who must have downy threads on the third phalanx of her fingers and all along her cheeks a white down whose line luminous on fine days begins at her ears and loses itself on her neck ah the other my dear de marsay she has black eyes which have never wept but which burn black eyebrows which meet and give her an air of hardness contradicted by the compact curve of her lips on which the kisses do not stay lips burning and fresh a moorish colour that warms a man like the sun but upon my word of honour she is like you you flatter her a firm figure the tapering figure of a corvette built for speed which rushes down upon the merchant vessel with french impetuosity which grapples with her and sinks her at the same time after all my dear fellow answered de marsay what has that got to do with me since i have never seen her ever since i have studied women my incognita is the only one whose virginal bosom whose ardent and voluptuous forms have realized for me the only woman of my dreams of my dreams she is the original of that ravishing picture called la femme caressant sa chimère the warmest the most infernal inspiration of the genius of antiquity 
a holy poem prostituted by those who have copied it for frescoes and mosaics for a heap of bourgeois who see in this gem nothing more than a gewgaw and hang it on their watch-chains whereas it is the whole woman an abyss of pleasure into which one plunges and finds no end whereas it is the ideal woman to be seen sometimes in reality in spain or italy almost never in france well i have again seen this girl of the gold eyes this woman caressing her chimera i saw her on friday i had a presentiment that on the following day she would be here at the same hour i was not mistaken i have taken a pleasure in following her without being observed in studying her indolent walk the walk of the woman without occupation but in the movements of which one divines all the pleasure that lies asleep well she turned back again she saw me once more she adored me once more trembled shivered it was then i noticed the genuine spanish duenna who looked after her a hyena upon whom some jealous man has put a dress a she-devil well paid no doubt to guard this delicious creature ah oh, then the duenna made me deeper in love i grew curious on saturday nobody and here i am to-day waiting for this girl whose chimera i am asking nothing better than to pose as the monster in the fresco there she is said paul every one is turning round to look at her the unknown blushed her eyes shone she saw henri she shut them and passed by you say that she notices you cried paul facetiously the duenna looked fixedly and attentively at the two young men when the unknown and henri passed each other again the young girl touched him and with her hand pressed the hand of the young man then she turned her head and smiled with passion but the duenna led her away very quickly to the gate of the rue de castiglione the two friends followed the young girl admiring the magnificent grace of the neck which met her head in a harmony of vigorous lines and upon which a few coils of hair were tightly wound the girl with the golden eyes had that well-knitted arched slender foot which presents so many attractions to the dainty imagination moreover she was shod with elegance and wore a short skirt 
during her course she turned from time to time to look at henri and appeared to follow the old woman regretfully seeming to be at once her mistress and her slave she could break her with blows but could not dismiss her all that was perceptible the two friends reached the gate two men in livery let down the step of a tasteful coupe emblazoned with armorial bearings the girl with the golden eyes was the first to enter it took her seat at the side where she could be best seen when the carriage turned put her hand on the door and waved her handkerchief in the duenna's despite in contempt of what might be said by the curious the handkerchief cried to henri openly follow me have you ever seen a handkerchief better thrown said henri to paul de manerville then observing a fiacre on the point of departure having just set down a fare he made a sign to the driver to wait follow that carriage notice the house and the street where it stops you shall have ten francs paul adieu the cab followed the coupe the coupe stopped in the rue saint-lazare before one of the finest houses of the neighbourhood end of section three recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey